Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fix This Shit Rich. How about y'all fix this shit, Rich? I'm one of your hosts, Gary Grant, and joining me today is the other host. Hey, it's uh, UK Mark. Mark Dempsey from the UK. Mark. Great to see you again, Gary. You too, Mark. What we're going to do today is uh, we're going to do a brief Meet the Host segment. This was recommended by one of my friends who's a very successful podcaster, and I thought it was a good idea. So uh, what we're going to start with is, uh, Mark, we're just going to let you briefly tell uh, everybody a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Okay. Well, uh, most important piece of the jigsaw is... uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys fan since I was uh, 10 years old and we'll come on to the specifics shortly when we go through the questions but uh, uh, I'm now 48 years old so a fan for about the last 38 years living back now in the UK I'm uh, I'm, I'm English uh, originally from a town called Bristol on the west side of the UK spent the period of time from uh, late 2011 through late 2016 living in Toronto Canada which was great for uh, access to the NFL access to live games uh, access to way more content and uh, I'd been a fan since the age of 10 but that that period of time 2011 through 2016 really gave me access and content to to games and the team and start to really really double down on my passion for the NFL particularly and the Dallas Cowboys now back living uh, just west of London about an hour west of London and uh, avid avid fan and uh, a pleasure to be able to talk regularly on a podcast about the Cowboys Let's go Okay, so we're going to start off. I'm just going to ask a few questions. You've touched on this a little bit, but we'll do some specifics here. When did you become a fan and why did you choose the Dallas Cowboys? Okay, so back in 1983, if you can believe this, and I know this is going to be mostly a predominantly US-based audience, there were three television channels in the UK. Three. Uh, And uh, a fourth channel came along and they creatively called themselves Channel 4. Uh, and they wanted to show new world events. They wanted to try and create some new reasons to watch TV. And one of the things that they showed was American football, as, as Brits call it, football, uh, as I should refer to it. As. And I found it completely by accident. Just one uh, Sunday evening, they were showing a game, uh, and it was the Dallas Cowboys. I found it completely by accident. had no intention of tuning in. I literally turned on Channel 4, and there it was. And I just fell in love with them. I, I don't recall who the Cowboys were playing, something about the Cowboys uniform, something about the aura to me as a, as a 10-year-old kid in the UK, seeing the Dallas Cowboys play. That was it. I was hooked. Uh, it, it was pretty much love at first sight, as, as much as that can apply to a, a sports team of any nature. Yeah, hooked. W- wanted to find out more about it. It didn't look like anything I'd seen before. It didn't look like a game I'd seen before. It looked a little bit like rugby, a little bit like football, a little bit like other things. But yeah, hooked and tried to find out more and more watched more and more highlight shows, tried to watch live games when I could, like 83 through 84 through 85. These, of course, were not great times for Cowboys fans, 49ers winning quite a bit, etc. But I I didn't care by that point. I I wasn't in it for watching them win. Uh, I was in it because the game just hooked me. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of, I've spent a lot of time traveling as well, and I spend in foreign countries when we have these conversations. One of the things that people that don't like American football. And I'm cool with calling it that. One of the things that people don't like about it is the start and the stop. You know, you a play goes on for four or five seconds, and then there's 40 seconds of going back to the huddle, spotting the ball. There's the the talking by the announcers. And then 
another snap and it's another five or six seconds of actions. And how is it that, uh, did you view that in the beginning? It didn't bother you that there was seemingly, and I'll use this in air quotes, a lack of action, the way that soccer, the ball never stops. And in rugby, the ball rarely stops. Great question. So I, Probably the first few interactions I was having with this, watching it, I was probably I was probably watching highlights. To be entirely honest, I like I probably was wasn't watching whole games at the age of 10, 11, 12. I certainly wasn't staying up crazy late. With, uh, but I, I remember that Channel Four was showing. They had like a couple of highlights packages throughout the course of each week, as well as then a live game every now and again. So the impact of the stop start probably wasn't quite so much to me. I was probably watching more highlights than live games. But actually, as I progressed to watching live games, seeking out being able to watch a Cowboys game. I remember getting to the age of 12 and being allowed for the first time to actually stay up live and watch the Super Bowl overnight. And that first one was um, uh, Patriots-Bears, the end of the 85 season, played in early 86. And that, for the first time, really watching the whole spectacle and just that that just grabbed my attention even more. I I love the stop-start of it. When people ask me, oh, I tried to watch a Cowboys game or I tried to watch an NFL game, I just didn't get it. How how do you bear with it? It goes three hours. That's the bit I love the most. Sometimes you get onto a run where you can just keep keep moving the ball. Other times you have to go a little bit more stop-start, play tactically, consider what the defense is doing, call timeouts at the right time. That grabbed me from quite a young age. Um, and I, I never really minded it, and I, and I don't mind it now. I, I like the chance to sit. So I, I, I love that whole um, strategic piece of it. Sit back, think about how you're going to adapt. For me, actually, now being a lifelong soccer fan, English football fan, I'd kind of, I, I love the whole strategic side of it. Take a, take a breath. Think about it. How are you going to defeat the opposition? That grabbed me at an early age, and I'm still a fan of it now. Awesome. Okay. Next up, so let's talk about players. Who's your favorite player? Well, this probably goes back to that first game I watched, but my, my favorite player then was Danny White. Now, as a, as a kid watching your first couple of Cowboys games, it's it's very easy just to be drawn to the quarterback, right? So, um, But I have a real soft spot for Danny White. I, I have a, a replica Danny White jersey. Um, and you've met Danny. And, uh, and I've, I've met Danny as well. well. We'll come on to that for my favorite Cowboys moment, I think. Awesome. Uh, okay. Next, so your next I'll, question. I'll tell you, Bob, so Bob, you know Bob from the, the How Many podcast, Bob is a huge Danny White fan. I'm also okay. a big Danny White fan, although Bob puts him a little higher in the uh, ultimate pecking order of Cowboys quarterbacks than I do. But hmm. uh, are you aware of, of the way that Danny is in general viewed by Cowboys fans? But not, no, not, not really. I mean, you, the, the first thing that comes up pretty quickly is uh, where he could punt as well. Right. Which was yeah. uh, so, uh, but, and I think he had kind of the, 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 the tough guy persona and kind of a, re- a real good, like all ra- all round American guy. So that that's kind of my take, but I, I've never heard anything more detailed than that. Most, most Cowboys fans probably underrate him fairly tragically. Really? Okay. Yeah. It, I think the problem is just the fact that he had to follow Roger and so following Roger, that's going to be, those are big shoes to fill. Not only just from the standpoint that Roger won Super Bowls, but uh, even going to Super Bowls, even the ones that they lost, he was Captain America. And so those those were big, big shoes to fill. And the team around Danny was so much worse than it was with Roger. And a lot of them were the same players, but they were older players. They were past their prime. And, you know, he still he still did a lot of good with them. But yeah, I, I think in in... In general, most, at least most casual Cowboy fans, which there are a lot of those because there are a lot of Cowboy fans, most casual Cowboy fans don't know much about him um, and don't care for him. Don't, don't, certainly wouldn't put him up there with 
Staubach and Aikman and and uh, those types. Uh, now it's you know that might be fair just because those guys won Super Bowls, but Danny owned a lot of passing records until Romo came along. Oh, for sure. And so um, I think it's a little bit, like I said earlier, tragic, I think is a good word that, that he's rated the way he is by Cowboys fans or treated the way he is by Cowboys fans, because he really is a good guy, uh, very accessible as you will talk about, but yeah, it's too bad. He's not, he's not as highly thought of as he probably should be because he was fantastic given what he had to work with. What, what what he had to work with, and and he still put together some winning seasons. I, I know I know, kind of 85, 86, 87 kind kind of started to fall apart, but that was more indicative of the of the challenges at the time. The first few years when he really properly took over from Roger, there there was some really some very very strong performances in there, and as you say, some record breaking seasons. Yeah, and you know the part of that too is is people look at the catch the, the game with the 49ers. Sure. And, and the catches, if you know anything about football history, if you're if you're not just a newer fan of football, you know all about the catch. And what a lot of people either don't know or forgot or don't care is that Danny almost won that game anyway. There was sure. time left on the clock. The Cowboys had the ball and they were moving down the field a little bit. He hit Drew Pearson on what should have been a massive game, if not a, if not maybe even a touchdown. And Drew got, I think he just got the guy, just got his jersey from behind uh, to keep him from breaking loose. And that was kind of what ended up stopping that drive. But uh, because there was, a, I believe, a fumble afterwards. But, you know, it was, you know, they, they had a chance. They were moving to, to go erase the catch from history. If the Cowboys finished watched, that drive, and they just erased that as being a thing. You watch TV coverage of the catch, and they show the catch happening and then the game ending, and yeah. that's it. And yeah. it was nothing nothing like that. You're, you're right. Dan, Danny had his chance there as well. My, a couple of more recent ones for kind of maybe more younger, more, more recent fans. I was a big fan of Cole Beasley. I loved Cole Beasley's spirit. In the, la- in the last 10 years, I would say Cole probably was my absolute favorite player. I, I loved watching him play. I thought he played with a real a real spirit, exactly the kind of player I, I want on my foot. Yep. I like Cole. Okay. Let's talk about your favorite cowboy moment. I am going to mention this. I know this, I know this winds you up, but I am going to mention this as my kind of reserve favorite Cowboys moment. I, I was at the game at, at giant stadium against the New York giants in November, 2014 and saw with my own two eyes, Odell Beckham's catch. It is the single greatest thing. I have been to a lot of sports events this is the single greatest sporting moment I have witnessed live with my own two eyes. I, I know it winds you up. I'm going to keep defending this. I have a soft spot for OBJ. Uh, anyone that was there live that saw that would probably echo the same thing, even, even as a Cowboys fan. I was celebrating with the New York Giants fans that were around me and my wife. We were just celebrating a legendary, great sporting moment. And that's probably my reserve one. And we won that game, as you like to keep pointing out. We won that game on a couple of drives up from Romo that very heavily featured Cole Beasley. That fourth quarter was, that was not a guaranteed Cowboys win. And Cole Beasley stepped up in that game as well. Um, but my absolute favorite Cowboys moment, and honestly, you've heard this story before, and this story could go on 30 minutes and be a podcast in itself. I'm going to keep it as brief as I possibly can. Living in Toronto, we got tickets down to week 16 of the 2015 season, the, the season to forget. I think we rolled into that game four and 11. At Buffalo, a short drive down, it was slated for several weeks to be- before to be a very, very bad weather game. So it was on December 
27th. So we didn't want to risk driving down from Toronto to Buffalo in the day. We drove down the day before, stayed at the Hyatt Hotel in the center of Buffalo, just because that seemed like really no disrespect to Buffalo, just the decent place to stay. If we're going to be somewhere over Christmas, you might as well pick somewhere nice. No expectation at all for what was about to happen. We pulled up uh, into the car park and we were met by like one of the Hyatt door guys. And I was wearing uh, Cowboys gloves. And he looked at the gloves and said, you're down for the game? Yeah, just even down from Toronto. He said, uh, well, you might want to make sure you're in the lobby around 4 p.m., sir. And then said nothing else. So my wife and I went off and grabbed a burger for lunch or something and then thought, well, this this is, yeah, he's either winding us up or or the Cowboys are walking into our hotel at 4 p.m. So we sat in the lobby bar and 3.30 p.m., some security turned up, a couple of cops turned up, started putting up some barricades just to kind of clear our way through. Just after 4 p.m., five buses pull up outside the Hyatt and in walks the entirety of the Dallas Cowboys, the front office, every player. I shook hands with Jason Garrett. You, you and I have spoken a couple of times. I, I'm about this. I am a... I am a defender of Jason Garrett. I thought the guy did an awful lot of very, very good things in his tenure. He had to go at the end, but I was very excited to meet Jason. More, more excited probably than to meet some of the players. Any player that you want to name from that 2015 team, with the exception of Des, who wasn't there. Des wasn't there because of his, his season out from injury. Shook hands with Tony Romo, talked to Jason Witten, talked to Cole Beasley, the entire team. My, my wife and I had booked a dinner at the Hyatt restaurant that night. Again, just by chance, just thinking there wasn't necessarily going to be anything open. And of course, it was closed to anyone who wasn't a guest that had already made a booking. Fast forward to like 8 p.m. that night, my wife and I are sitting having steak, literally surrounded by the Cowboys. Jerry and his wife and Jason and Tony Romo were eating dinner two tables away from us. Nice. The special teams coordinators were sitting at the table next to us talking about the game. Maybe my favorite piece of this was at the table just in front of us was Lucky Whitehead eating the <laughs> largest steak I've ever seen in my life. So we went to the game the next day. It was, as predicted, minus 15, wet snow the entire game. We sucked. We didn't even score a touchdown. It was Kellen Moore's first start, which is interesting in itself, right, to see that. We sat there and froze, but kind of drove home back to Toronto that evening. And all we were talking about was the five hours we spent literally with the Dallas Cowboys, purely by chance. Awesome! Totally awesome! Next up, player that you actually don't like. Yeah, that one's easy for me. Great wide receiver, but I did not like Des Bryant. I thought it was the right decision to cut him when they did. I'm surprised they didn't cut him a year earlier. The way he held out the whole way through the 2014 or 2015 offseason, I should say, and then turned up out of shape, unfit, got injured pretty much instantly in training camp, got injured in the first game. Like that attitude to me, I'm sorry, I don't want that on my team. Uh, prima donna. And I know, look, cornerbacks and wide receivers, they get they get slated as being, you know, the alpha male, the prima donna, the showman, all of that. That's fine. Be a showman, you know, have attitude. But I, I thought he was net negative to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, let me ask you a question. Time. As somebody who probably consumes even more of this through the media than, than the average fan, just because even when you were close, you were still in another country. You were still in Canada. Did you find yourself like, for example, when they, when they showed Des on the sideline, yelling and screaming, walking up and down the sidelines, ranting and raving. And down here, the immediate stuff that came up was look at, he's such a bad, he's a bad guy. Look at him screaming at everybody. Then when the actual audio came out, 
It was Dez telling guys, keep your head up. We're going to win this game. Let's go. It was all very team-oriented stuff. But for a week, they ripped it until the audio actually came out. Now, the game you are referring to that, and this, this, this is cool that this has come out organically. I, I haven't mentioned this. I was at the game you're referring to. That was Detroit. That was another game I drove down to from Toronto. Detroit, uh, 2013. We could see from the far, we were on the other side of the field and we could see Des, as you say, everyone thought it was negative. That instance where everyone took the opportunity to, to assume it was negative, he was walking up and down telling people, we're the best, we're going to win. You're the best, you're the guy. That's great. But it's gone on from there. And particularly with the new contract, I'm, and I'm talking about particularly the 2015, 2016 into 2017 period of time, it stopped being positive. It was net negative. That one very specific example that you're giving, 2013 at Detroit, absolutely, it was motivational. But I, I've seen it go off from there. I've seen it become negative, the social media stuff. I think they did the he right thing. He definitely is a guy that should not be on social media. Certainly shouldn't have been should not, playing days. Should not have been on social Cole's media. Cole's another guy that probably shouldn't be on social media. Different reasons. And, and I, and I like right. Cole, but I like Cole, but nothing good comes from that kind of interaction. So here's one. Um, your most underrated cowboy. This doesn't have to be an active player, obviously, but most underrated yeah. cowboy. Yeah, I, I have an easy one that just comes straight to my mind. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Leighton Van Der Esch for, for a first round pick uh, is, is pretty underrated. I, I hope Leighton Van Der Esch comes back on this team. There have been multiple games in recent times where he was the best player on our defense, even at times when the defense was falling apart, even at times in games where other players have played really well. Leighton Van Der Esch is a very underrated player. He takes an awful lot of stick, an awful lot of negative comments come his way. I love his style. You watch him on the sidelines. He's a leader. He's, I mean, what is he, 26? He's already a father figure to some of these players. If you saw Hard Knocks, the way he was kind of just guiding Micah Parsons, that conversation that Micah had with Dan Quinn, right? Watch Leighton's, almost like his counsel to him afterwards. I, I like Leighton. I like his spirit. I like his style. He's an old head on young shoulders, and I want him on this football team. I'll give you a second one, a name just to watch. Uh, you, you and I are both big draft nerds, draft nicks, and I'm sure we'll have some dedicated sessions on this to come up. I am delighted that Tyler Coyle safety is on this team. He went undrafted out of Purdue in 2021. Uh, I think he bounced around a little bit. Cowboys picked him up after he'd been cut, put him on the practice squad, started putting him up onto the 53-man onto the roster as one of those kind of practice squad upgrades. Just watch out for Tyler Coyle. No one's talking about him. I would tell you right now, Tyler Coyle makes the roster as safety number four for 2022. I am excited to have that guy on. So that's my kind of real deep, deep underrated guy. It's funny. I think as people listen and get more of an idea of the way that we look at things, they're going to find that this is who you are. You're a deep roster guy. You like talking about these, the fringe players. I do. And things like that. And it's funny because I do. I have a lot of friends that, that I've known for many, many, many years that probably even right now as they're listening, if they're listening to this, they might not even know who Tyler Coyle is. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I was a fan of Tyler Coyle's too. So I'm, I, I had him as a roster. Uh, now, I, comparatively speaking, I, I know nothing about the, the scouting and player assessment world. I have my own things that I look at in terms of the college players, their numbers, their stats, what's coming out, the combines. I have like a, a focused uh, set of topics that I look at in the draft process. Right? And we can come on to that in another podcast. But everything that I saw about Tyler Coyle 
I was astonished he wasn't drafted. I, I had a fifth round, fifth, sixth round grade on Tyler Coyle. And the moment he went undrafted, I thought someone's going to get a steal with that guy. And it's us. So let's watch out for Tyler Coyle through the season. All right. Last up, this is your chance to talk about other teams that you might support, because as, as people are listening to this, understand this is a Cowboys-centric podcast, but it won't be the only thing we talk about. So, Mark, aside from the Cowboys, who do you like? So I have uh, two other sports I follow very, very closely now. Soccer, English Premier League soccer. Um, a childhood fan of Liverpool. Um, been a fan of Liverpool Football Club, certainly since I can remember. Late 70s, so I guess when I was six, seven years old. And Kenny Dalgleish, for anyone that, that gets that reference, uh, Scottish international player that played most of his professional career at Liverpool. By a very long way, my favourite Liverpool player, my favourite soccer player. Um, and he, he really was one of my first heroes and inspirations. So um, Liverpool Football Club since the late 70s. Uh, and it's now a very good time to be a fan of Liverpool Football Club, has been for a few years. And then a relatively new passion. And this came up purely from moving to moving to Canada. And I'd imagine everyone right now is about to think I'm about to say a hockey team. But it, uh, it's baseball. I had never watched an inning of baseball in my life. I don't think I had maybe even watched a pitch of baseball in my life until mid-2011. I was very close to being able to take a job over in Toronto, Canada, uh, with PepsiCo. Um, I'd gone through a whole interview process and I had to spend like a week over in, in Toronto for some final interviews. And so I went over in August 2011. Uh, and as part of being in Toronto for a week, thought, well, OK, I'll go and watch some baseball. The Red Sox were in town, right? Towards the end of the season, it was a lousy season for the Blue Jays. No chance of making the playoffs. I picked up like a $5 ticket. I went because it was the Red Sox. Right? I'd heard of the Boston Red Sox. And I was hooked, just hooked. I mean, I, I, I sat up in the bleachers with a $5 ticket and ate a hot dog and watched baseball and mentioned after about two innings to the guy sitting next to me. I was like, so I, I'm, I'm English. I've never watched a baseball game. I'm like, what can I expect? And this guy was like a lifelong Blue Jays fan had seen their, their, their championship wins in the 90s. And he kind of just talked me through it. So I had that kind of this rolling commentary from this lovely Toronto guy just helped me understand what I was looking at. I will say this. It's amazing. I bothered sticking around to watch any other games. That game was 0-0 into the 14th inning. My <laughs> first ever baseball game. And at the top of the 15th, I thought, I I'm done. I'm wiped out, right? I, I need to go and do interviews tomorrow. I'm wiped out. I'm leaving. And as I was walking out through the stadium parking lot, Brett Laurie from the Blue Jays hit a walk-off home run in the I think the bottom of the 15th, I think I'm right saying that. I was already hooked enough on baseball that I wanted to see more. So when we moved to Canada, the following season, so the 2012 season, my wife and I tried to go several times and we were, we were, we were hooked. We, we still watch, we, we subscribe to MLB TV now, back in the UK, so we can watch as many Blue Jays games as we can. Love the Blue Jays. Uh, love the Toronto Blue Jays and have really grown to love baseball. So I'm now a 10-year-long Blue Jays fan. And 2022 is looking pretty good for the Blue Jays. I don't know. You lost a pretty big offensive piece. Yeah, they've made some good pitching. We'll, we'll come on to that. They've made some good pitching moves. All right. So I think that is it for our Meet the Host segment with Mark. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? No, I'll just uh, I'll just say, uh, really, as at the point we're recording this, free agency is about to start, and then we're about a month from the draft. So an exciting time for a kind of roster nerd like me. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, some... Some, some strong moves and uh, set the team up for success in 22. I, I'm not sure they're coming. 